to get you in the mood for today's lesson, I would like for you to think of something, some characteristic about yourself that you can pretty much directly attribute to your parents. I don't, could be adoptive parents, could be biologic parents, uh, could be uh, a step parent. It could be a characteristic that is a physical characteristic or uh, uh, an expression or, or, or just about anything that you have pretty much inherited from your parents, okay? So uh, think about that and then share it at your table, good or bad, good or bad. They don't know your dad or mom, you know. Oh, well, maybe they might. <laughs> <laughs> well, y'all get to share first. Y'all. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're thinking of a characteristic of a parent that you have. That you have. Yes. Just one. share with with the whole group but uh, somebody yeah neat freak something that neither of our kids got from either of their parents neat freak okay good what else my dad's terrible sense your dad's terrible sense of humor yeah yeah somebody over in here Y'all have parents, right? You did get something from them. You got something from them. Many of us, many of you, at least got your name from them. Yeah. Being thrifty. Yep. Being thrifty. Woo! Goodwill. Being thrifty. Okay. Okay. So here's our. For me, you know, it's uh, my dad said things my whole life, and um, some of them good, most of them not. Um, yeah, one of the things he taught me was don't get even. Get ahead. <laughs> One-upmanship. Somebody does something bad to you, you do something worse to them. Okay? That, that directly contradicts the spirit of Jesus Christ that lives in me. 
But that's a human reaction. That's a human thing that we do. Somebody does something bad to us, we want to retaliate. It's so prevalent that we see it in so many of the stories in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. We see Jesus teaching against it. We see Paul teaching against it. We see Peter teaching against it. Paul says, what? You want to be vengeful? Why don't you just let God take care of that? You just try to live at peace with everybody. Okay? So we inherit some things, some characteristics. You look at my son's picture and it looks a lot like my picture in the first grade. You look at my picture in the first grade, it looks a lot like my dad's, except mine had color and his was in black and white. That was, you know, my dad, me, you know, people look at my dad, he's 80 years old. People look at my dad and they say, he looks exactly like you. He's got a beard. He's 80 years old. What do you mean he looks exactly like me? Okay? Well, you know, when my son was little, they said, he looks exactly like you. I'm going, no, his head's smaller. Okay? So, so we've got these things. And so uh, our premise this morning is to discover God's purpose in our lives. And so... Um, so he made us, uh, we got a premise, the premise is that God made us in his image, which is what the Bible says, and that that was his purpose for us, to be in his image. Okay, And he desires to fulfill his purpose in our lives by remaking us in his image. That means that we're no longer in his image. Okay. Yeah, look at the picture first. <laughs> then we just, then we just have to think about the things that we pass down. You know, uh, yeah, the things that we pass down. So, uh, if somebody would please read Genesis five one through three for us. This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, He made them in the likeness of God. He created the male and female and blessed them. Named them mankind when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. You notice that? He's made in the image of God, but then he has a son in his own image. In his own image. We have this fallen nature, and then we reproduce that fallen nature in those around us. We reproduce that fallen nature every day when we go back to our old self. And so God wants to liberate us from that. He wants to liberate us and to let us live. You know, uh, some of those teachings of my dad caused me to have hostility towards people that did things bad to me. Jesus wants to liberate me from that hostility. It caused me to judge other people and to condemn other people. My dad used to say, drive like hell, you'll get there. <laughs> okay? Con con yeah, my dad and yours had the same sense of humor. Yeah, you'll get there. You'll it caused me to judge other people in many ways. And so when I look at uh, the Spirit of Christ, I look at a, a, a very different reaction. I have a very different reaction. So my house is a house of peace. Our house is a house of peace. It's a ha Can I get an amen? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So a, co a, couple of the, a couple of the people here know that my house is a house of peace. It's a house my neighbor does not expect to hear me yelling 
squalling at my children or my wife. Okay? Did those things go on in families around me growing up? Yes. So did a number of other things that were bad behaviors. So, okay, Jesus shows us what God in human form is supposed to look like. Okay? Somebody read this one for us. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. Yeah. God wants Jesus to be formed in you. God wants you to look like Jesus, not physically. Okay, I, I don't, I don't know, uh, I don't know about the long hair and the beard and the mustache kind of pictures that we have of Jesus wearing this toga and all this kind of stuff. But you know, and he's some kind of Anglo-Saxon Jew. I don't get that. I don't get that one. But, uh, you know, I don't know about physical characteristics. The Bible tells us there's nothing about Jesus that physically was appealing to people. There wasn't a physical charisma about him. And yet, somehow, being in the image of God, he affected people in a tremendous way. It was his spirit. And, and so God wants Jesus' spirit living in you. He wants, he wants to reform that spirit. That communion that Adam and Eve had with him as intellectual beings, as emotional beings, those, those people, Adam and Eve, were able to commune with God so closely because they didn't have that fallen nature. We have that fallen nature. We have parents that have passed those things on. And so uh, we've accumulated years and years and years of this brokenness this bad spiritual DNA. Jesus is the radiance, the perfect, the perfect representation of God. Jesus is, you know, what do we do? We, we need to look at the pattern. My dad worked construction, and so I went and helped him, uh, helped him build my aunt's house one time, and, uh, and so he marked the rafters. You gotta cut the rafters. Oh, where's a marker here? We, we'll actually use a board here. You cut the rafters, basically you got this board that looks like this, and you gotta cut out a little notch right here so it sits on top of the wall, and you gotta cut it down right here with some angles and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so my dad says, okay, I want you to cut a whole bunch of these, so he writes pattern here on the board. Gotta cut a whole bunch of these because these are coming up and making the, the top of the house. You know, I cut one, then I cut another at some point, about number three. I, you know, I'm handing them up to him. I cut one, I hand it up to him. At some point, I hand him the pattern. I've got the copy. I make a copy of the copy, and a copy of the copy, and a copy of the copy of the copy. And the roof line does this kind of a thing because I've left the pattern, you see. I'm not going to the original. So if you're judging your life on me or your parents and you're judging your 
godliness, your good characteristics on us, you're never going to achieve what God wants you to achieve. You're never going to be what God wants you to be. Okay, we'll talk about achievement later. Uh, I shouldn't use that word. Uh, attain. You'll never attain what God wants you to attain. Achievement has to do with effort and work. And you'll never get that either. You'll never get where God wants you to be by effort and work. Okay? So keep looking at the pattern. Look at the pattern and, and then from there you go forward. All right. So uh, Jesus showed us what humans formed in God's image look like. First Corinthians. Somebody read that for us. First man, Adam, became, became a living being, the last Adam, a living, a life-giving spirit. Spiritual did not come first, but the physical. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And is, as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Yeah. You're supposed to bear the image of the heavenly man, Jesus. You're supposed to look like Jesus. When people around you see you, they, they, when they see me, they don't need to see Nick Horton. They need to see Jesus. When I interact with them, oh, we, we flew to Peru to, to see our daughter and uh, over fall break for us. And, uh, you know, when the people at the airport, when the, when the people lose our luggage, they don't need to be, see Nick Horton, the American irate person, jumping up and down saying, I want my luggage back. You know? No, that's not what they need to see. They need to see Jesus himself. They want to see Jesus. They desire to see Jesus. And this is all important. We bear the image of the heavenly man. When other people see Jesus in you, in your actions. Hey, Keith. No class Sunday? November the 3rd. Excellent. Thank you for reminding us, Keith. Okay. So we bear the image of the heavenly man, Jesus. We get proud sometimes when our kids look at look like us, you know? Uh, the only time I've, I mean, I, I don't know, I, I never thought my kids really looked like me, but, you know, certainly not in those little sonograms they sent home. Uh, you know, here's this little black and white blob, and, uh, you know, oh, yeah, it looks just like you, Nick. And I'm going like, no, it looks like Cheryl. You know? <laughs> yeah. So... We need to die to our selfishness. That's what Adam and Eve were guilty of. God had a plan for them, and they said, we want our own plan. Excuse me, Lord, I want my own plan. I'll take it. I'm in charge here. I want to be like God. I want to be the decision maker. I want to determine my destiny. I, you know, I, I, I. So somebody read for us in this uh, passage from Romans. For we know that our old self was crucified with him Therefore, do not let sin reign 
in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. I love the King James here. It says, reckon yourselves dead to sin. I think it's just so Southern. You know, uh, my grandma used to say, I reckon you can count on it, is what she's saying. You know, I reckon, uh, I reckon so. Um, so, what, you know, what, there's a reckoning, there's a counting, and he says, count yourself dead to sin. So when I have these old habits and hang-ups, when I have these sinful uh, tendencies, I need to count myself dead to those things. That is hard to do. That's why the Bible devotes so much time to convincing us that we can do that through Jesus Christ. I am no longer that person. I confess to you my worst, the worst time in my whole life was the day after I was baptized. And Anita Underhill came up to me and she said, Oh, I heard you got saved at church yesterday. I was in the sixth grade. I was so worried about what all these other guys were going to think about me. I grew up in a very redneck school. They beat you up for having good grades. You'd, righteousness was not encouraged. I'll, I'll just put it that way. And I said, Oh, I'm still the same old me. Excuse me? What was that business of baptism about? I better not be the same old me. Okay? I regret having those words come out of my mouth, but those words came out of my mouth. I'm still the same old me. Though I am not the same old me. I died to those sins. They were washed away. And Jesus washes them away every day. It's a process that we go through. And as we learn to live in Christ, His character comes out more and more and more in us every day. And our character diminishes. The fleshly, selfish nature diminishes. Why? Because we die to ourselves. Something Jesus said every disciple of His would do. Die to yourself. Doesn't mean I don't have any joy. I have tremendous joy. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got wonderful kids. I enjoy food. I really enjoy food a whole lot. Okay? We can enjoy the good things in life that God has created for us to enjoy. Doesn't let me now walk around going, oh, I died to myself. I can't have any fun. No. No, we have tremendous fun. It does mean that I don't wake up the next morning with a hangover from a three-day drunk. That leads to death. That, you know, that kind of a lifestyle leads to death. So we need to realize these things as, uh, as Christ is being formed in us. We need a rebirth. Okay, somebody get these passages for us. Uh, John and Galatians. Did I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Dear children, for whom, for whom I am again the pains of childbirth until Christ is born with you. Yeah. Until I can look in the mirror and see Jesus, until other people can look at me and see Jesus, we're in the pains of childbirth. We're in the process of being born day by day as we die to ourselves, as 
as we are crucified with Christ. And we'll be looking at our identity in Christ very soon uh, in an upcoming lesson. So, uh, and then somebody else, Jesus' obedience redeems our disobedience. A very key scripture for all of us because we do disobey. Somebody read that for us. with Christ in glory. Your life is hidden in Christ in many ways. My life is hidden in my marriage union with Cheryl. It's no longer my son and my daughter and my house and my car. It is our life. It is our children and our house. That's what he's saying here. You are now hidden with Christ. You're hidden in Christ. So we we have a new identity and it's about uh, it's about our disobedience being taken away by Jesus whose obedience is counted for me. I will never I will never pay for my disobedience. I cannot pay for my disobedience. It costs the blood of Jesus. It costs the blood of Jesus. God in flesh. It, God in flesh gave himself for my sins. How in the world could I possibly ever think that I could do enough good things? I can't. I could devote the rest of my life from the very first sin and that still won't pay back. Okay? Jesus' obedience covers my disobedience. Scripture is very clear about that. Okay. Um, not sure why I included that bottom part again, but uh, let's get the first part, which is God accomplishes His purpose for us through Jesus Christ. Second Peter. His divine, divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us the very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Yeah. You know, well, one of the things that was really frustrating to me growing up was uh, uh, my grandfathers, both of them, uh, my mother, my dad, all, all my parents, all, all everybody around me, uh, they would ask me to do things sometimes and not really give me the tools to do that, whatever it was. Okay, my grandpa would take me out, go, to, you know, to go fishing. I'm like a seven-year-old boy. He says, "Be still, sit here on this rock." and watch this little bobber do nothing for hours. Right? Right? I'm going like he didn't give me he didn't give me a task I could accomplish. Okay? I didn't have the skills, I didn't have the ability to do that. His divine power, God's Jesus' divine power has given us everything we need. Everything you need to accomplish this likeness of Jesus in you. I'm not saying that we use it all the time. I'm just saying that God's given it to us. He's already given it to us. We don't have to wonder, how am I ever going to get this? What have I got to do? Do I have to climb to some mountain in Tibet, wear an orange robe and drink milk tea? 
with the monks. You know, what have I got to do to actually attain this nirvana, godlike being of Jesus Christ? God has given us everything we need through His power. Okay? It's our knowledge of Him called to His glory and goodness. Through these, He's given us His very great and precious promises. Promises that you and I can count on. That we know what He's talking about. Okay? The world will say things to you as if they're promises from God when they're not sometimes. Okay? I, you know, I mean, I remember very early on, you know, my mom used to say, Godliness, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. I'm going like, well, I can't find that anywhere in the Bible. You know, uh, is the principle there? Yes, the principle's there. But that, that, those words aren't there, you know. So there are times when people say things as if they're from God. Oh, Jesus would never do this. Jesus would never. The Jesus I know would never do this. But the Jesus who said, judge not, also said, you better look at the fruit of the tree in the same chapter. You better look at the fruit of the tree. You can tell good fruit from bad fruit. The thorns are going to be burned up. The weeds are going to be pulled out. That's the Jesus I read about. Okay? Does he make a decision? Yeah, he does. Okay? And he expects us to make this. The same Jesus commanded Paul to write for us that if you got a sin as a brother of mine, I need to confront your sin. As a sister of mine, we need to confront your sin. If you see sin in me, you need to confront that sin. Okay? Now, that's not passing eternal judgment. That's not saying, oh, yeah, Nick. Go ahead, drive like hell, you'll get there. That's not saying that. Okay? That's saying, Nick, you're driving dangerously. That's saying, Nick, you're doing you're doing some things that are bad for you. Bad for others. Okay? Jesus is the answer. Somebody get these uh, Corinthians passages here real quick. As we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Yeah. So his life may be in my mortal body, I teach physics, so I'm, I'm real big on the physical, but I also know that there's a spiritual. Sometimes people don't understand the difference. What he says here is, his life may be revealed in my mortal body. It's not that I'm just in some kind of a, I don't know, some kind of a spiritual place. That's not what it's about. It's about that my mortal body actually exhibits the character of Jesus Christ. If my students at school don't see me willing to serve, then I'm not displaying Jesus Christ to them. If they don't see me willing to make righteous judgments, then I'm not showing the, the Spirit of Jesus Christ to them. If they don't see me showing love, concern, I have students walk in, and I'm like, are you okay? They're like, yeah, how did you know I, I had a problem? You know, because I'm watching. Because I'm, I'm open. Okay? Do I ever, you know, do I notice my wife when she gets her hair cut? Probably not. <laughs> okay? So I'm not the most attentive person. But, you know, if I come home and she looks, she looks pale and sickly, you know, I do notice that. Okay? Something says there's a problem here. I, I don't, I don't, the, hair, the haircut doesn't communicate problem to me. So, uh, you know, so, so, so uh, you know, because she has cute hair. Yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, it's 
it's a revelation. Your body is supposed to be revealing Jesus Christ to everybody around you. It shouldn't be revealing North Boulevard. It shouldn't be revealing the Church of Christ. It shouldn't be revealing Christianity. It should be revealing Jesus Christ. That's your goal. That's your job. On campus, off campus, at your job, in your home, in your relationship with another person, your job in your mortal body is to reveal Jesus Christ. That's my job too. It's a tough job. But you know, he's given you everything you need to accomplish that. Okay? God's always working toward his purpose for us. Romans chapter 8. There are a lot of people that get all hung up over this word predestined. Look at there. What's in the Bible? Predestination. God predetermined that what you should look like. The image of his son. Right there. It says it. Black and white. It says it in Ephesians chapter 1. Two or three times. Okay? We are predestined to look like Jesus Christ. That's what God has called his children to be. To do. To look like. To become. Okay? That's what God is working to accomplish. We know that in all things God works. By the way, uh, there are a lot of people that, that think that you know, the five acts of salvation are, are stuff like hearing and believing and repenting and being baptized and living a good Christian life and confessing, stuff like that. Okay, right here we've got it. God works for the good. Those who've been called according to his purpose is God that did the calling in it. God foreknew who you are. He predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. And so that you could be the firstborn among me, brethren. And, and then it goes on to say some other things, including he has destined you for glory. He glorified you. Okay? God does all of these things. You don't glorify yourself. You don't call yourself. That's God's business. Okay? So there are acts of salvation. God's doing the action. Okay? Okay? God accomplishes his purpose in his timing. According to his timing. First, uh, Second Corinthians here. We all, who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit in <sighs> Take a moment to just absorb that. Take a moment to realize that God is willing to patiently work with you patiently work with you to an ever-increasing glory. When I mess up, I want to be real hard on myself. And God says, hey, I'm polishing out some rough stuff. Okay. Hey, you know, that sense of humor I got from my dad, it needs to be polished. Some of that needs to be polished. Some crude jokes or whatever. Okay, Some things that are whatever, putting other people down or something like that. I need to actually, you know, I need to, to polish those things out. God is polishing those things out over time. 
God is patiently working with you. God is more patient with you than you are. We get very frustrated because, because we hope in our own abilities, because we trust in our own abilities, we get highly disappointed when we mess up. I should have known better. I'm going to punish myself. I'm going to abstain from food for a month. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's because we trust in ourselves and we think that if we punish ourselves, you know, I, I sometimes look at my speedometer and it's over the speed limit. Uh, you know, and for several years, I, you know, I, I, I want to keep under the speed limit. So I, I look at the speedometer, it's over the speed limit. If it's five miles over a speed limit, I would say for several years, I would say, okay, I'm going to drive five miles under, five miles per hour, under the speed limit for about the same amount of time that I thought I was going over, just to punish myself, okay? Punish myself for this, okay? I also punish everybody behind me, yes, yes. So, okay, that's, that's because we're trusting in our own abilities, folks. That's because we're not trusting, you know, I mean, I, 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 used to, I used to go to church with people that would say, you know, oh, you know, you can live this wonderful life and uh, be a Christian and all that, but uh, you run off the road and you hit a barrier or something like that and you say some expletive before you die and you're going to hell. I'm going like, really? Really? Is that the God that you see in the Bible? Because it's not the God I see in the Bible. The God I see in the Bible knows he worked with broken people from day one. From day one. Oh, not day one. Uh, people were formed in day six, I know, but anyway. <laughs> okay, so from early on. Okay, Ephesians. This is a long one. I'll read it. I noticed that some of y'all resist reading the long ones. Praise be to God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for the adoption, for adoption through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, not because we chose, not because we did stuff, but because he had pleasure and will. He, had, he chose to adopt us, predestined us for adoption. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us, lavished. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect Woe, when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. By the way, that tells me that God is continuing to work patiently with me for ever-increasing glory, but it won't be until the times reach their fulfillment. I will always be a broken person. You will always be a broken person. You'll always have that nose your grandfather gave you. You're always going to have those memories. You're always going to have those characteristics in some regard. But God is polishing those out. When the time is full, God is going to reveal Christ perfectly in you. But it will be an ever-increasing glory. So get used to it. Buckle your seatbelt. Get ready for the ride. It's really good. Okay. 
in Him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything. He's already got it worked out in conformity with the purpose of His will so that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. And you, you Gentiles, he's speaking to here in Ephesus, you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. God, is re God has redeemed you. But there it is. The redemption of those who are God's possession. You are God's possession. God's given you His Holy Spirit at baptism. God put His Holy Spirit in you. He says, you're mine. I'm coming back for you. I'm not leaving you here in this state. I'm going to help you transform into the image of Jesus Christ. Okay. God has a purpose for you. We're almost out of time, so somebody quickly pick up Colossians 1. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously continue, or contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, this class is about maturing, the maturing process from a seed to a fruit-bearing tree. This class is about that process of maturing. And this says here, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Immature people are smacking their own hands, trying to punish themselves, flailing themselves, offering sacrifices to God to try to appease the gods. Okay? That's an, that's an immature process to realize that Jesus has paid that price for you and that you have liberty, that you have freedom. That I mean, I, you know, when my kids messed up as a child, I didn't say, yep, that's it. I didn't say, oh, you got, you know, here's this horrible punishment you got to do. You know, no. See, you messed up. You messed up, let's learn from it. You know, did I, did I do that to them sometimes? Yeah, and sometimes God does that to us. But we don't have to do it to ourselves. God teaches us that things are not good for us. Okay? Philippians 2, 12-16 Therefore, my friends, as you have always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. God's purpose in you is good, by the way. Okay? It's for your best. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Man, if you don't feel like this is a warped and crooked generation, you hadn't been looking around. And I'm going to tell you, as a child of the 60s, that was a warped and depraved generation too. So were the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, and I maintain that probably even Mayberry had its problems. Okay? Uh, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Okay? 
uh, hit the right button here. Okay. I love this verse. Somebody read it for us. You're God's poem. You're His song. Okay? Oh, Emma, you're His creation. God made you the way you are, put you in the situation you are, so that you could declare His glory, so that you could declare what He's done. You could declare to the world the beauty, the love, the emotion. The pain, the struggle, these are things that are common things in poetry. And these are things that you do as God's poem. You sit down beside somebody else who's really going through a tough time. You sit down beside somebody who is rejoicing, okay? And you sing with them their song of joy. You sit down with the person who is weeping at Whatever situation in their life is horrible and tragic, you sit down with them. You're the poem of God. God's Spirit is in you. And He's crying out. He's crying to God on, with words that, he, that you can't even express. And you're talking to this other person. You're hugging this other person. You're spending time with them. That's what we're here for, folks. I want to encourage you this week to, to actually do this Ephesians 1 and Philippians 2. Just read one of them one day, the other one the next, and flip back and forth. Okay? What you see is the character of Jesus in Philippians 2. And what you see is what God has destined you for to be made into the image of Jesus in Ephesians 1. Okay? I'd like for us uh, to pray together. Our Father God, we come to you acknowledging that you are God and that we're not and that we're broken. And uh, Lord, we're just, uh, sometimes we're not even cracked vessels, but we're just shattered vessels. And so Lord, we ask for you to, to glue us together because we can't any more than Humpty Dumpty could. And so we come to you, Lord, asking for you to to piece us together, to not just polish us up, Lord, but to heal us, heal our brokenness, and allow that brokenness, help, allow us to remember that brokenness so that we can help others that are broken too. Allow us to, to show the love of Jesus, the character of Jesus, the traits of Jesus, who is the perfect representation of you. Allow us to show that to the world, Lord so that they could look at us and not see us, but see Jesus himself. Lord, uh, let us speak his name. Let us show his character in everything we do this week. We know that you've got us on a path to maturity. We know that we've messed up and that we will mess up. But our confidence is in you, our creator, and in your perfect plan and in your timing. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen.